0: Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. This is Jamie Rodriguez, your host of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. And yes, I think spring is here in Nashville, or at least it's teasing us, which we hope is here because, woof! what a winter. Jesus Christ. Um, I hope everyone is doing all right. Hope everyone is rocking and rolling with some great music in your life. We have a great guest for you guys today. An incredible live band that you guys need to see. Whether you're into bluegrass or not, although you should be because bluegrass is awesome, but just an amazing band that is gonna leave you breathless. The infamous String Dusters. And today we have the banjoist for the band, Chris Pendolfi, here on the show. And um, yeah, I mean, what can I say about the band? First of all, they just came out with a new album, a really, really great album called Towards the Fray. Uh, in late February that you're going to love It has the bluegrass that they're accustomed to With some amazing, thoughtful ideas And um, they're also nominated to the Grammys Upcomingly, in the, in the upcoming version For the um, for a tribute album to Bill Monroe So we talk a lot about this with uh, the banjoist Chris Pendolfi of the band Who's a key cog in the machine He's also a great podcaster himself Producer, writer, and just a great creative soul uh, so, we are thrilled to have Chris. We talk a, a lot about uh, different things uh, and just interesting things with the String Dusters, the fan base, the live production, and so much more. We hope you guys enjoy it and check out the infamous String Dusters, guys, for real. Check them out on tour. At, uh, check out their calendar at thestringdusters.com. And seriously, like they are like a groundbreaking live act. I'm not overselling this. Go check them out. If you're new to J Rod Concerts, the podcast, guys, welcome. Uh, Check out our newsletter, sign up at jrodconcertsmedia.com We send you five new songs you ought to know every week If you don't subscribe, if you don't like it And yeah, guys, welcome welcome to a new show We're excited for everything that's happening in the coming uh, months So stay tuned And this is Chris Pandolfi of the infamous String Dusters on J-Rod Concerts, the podcast Chris
1: Pandolfi Jamie Rodriguez.
0: Look at you. How are you doing, man?
1: (laughs) I'm doing good, man. How are
0: you? That professional compound. We love it. Obviously, Chris Pandolfi, you know, banjo player for one of the most exciting bands right now. I got to tell you, in all of music, the infamous String Dusters. And and I kid you not, Chris, uh, you guys are tearing stages across North America. My audience needs to see you guys ASAP. It is absolutely a live experience, man. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. Good to be here. Absolutely. And of course,
0: the new album, Towards the Fray" out February 18th, and uh, Grammy nomination for The Attribute to Bill Monroe. And I think you guys are going to win, honestly, and would be your second win, already won in 2018. So much to chat about, Chris. So, you know, let's get to it. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so let's start with this, Chris. What is the feeling to be at this point? in the band's career i mean you've been doing this for a long time where like the name is becoming synonymous cuz i I've, I've seen it i've seen the crowds grow the two or three times i've seen you guys the word of mouth is happening there's buzz it's like a tangible thing what is the feeling for a lifelong musician like yourself when you're in this part of a curve you know
1: well it's still really exciting i have to say i feel so grateful to have landed in a position as a professional musician that really brings me a lot of a lot of joy and is just really fulfilling, not only musically, but also personally. You know, I have a, a great relationship with my bandmates and we just love making music together. And that's, you know, that that's such a such a gift. It never gets old. And the guys who I play with are tremendous players and people. And You know, we just keep taking this thing new places and new directions and always exploring, you know, new musical territory and trying to put our whole heart and soul into it. So it's really just as exciting now as it ever was. You know, you go through these different phases in your career when you're just starting out, you have really low expectations and, you know, you just want to make music. And we've built this into something very real. And, you know, I feel like we still have a long way to go. So things are things are great. I'm really excited about this new record. And I feel like, you know, we, we've been doing it a long time. But like I said, we, we still have a lot of ground to cover.
0: That's the most fascinating thing. It, it, it feels like you guys are just getting started, even though you've been doing it for a minute. So it's, it's wonderful, Chris, where you guys are right now. And uh, this Bill Monroe album that we mentioned. Uh, the story behind that is so fascinating, Chris. I mean, first of all, I mean, Bill Monroe, father of bluegrass, of course, for my, for my audience, but Jeremy's father, you know, he used to, from I understand, he used to book him to come places in, in Idaho when, yeah. when uh, the, you know, for a long time. So for you also a giant influence and it's what makes this tribute album so spectacular. It It's songs like Old Dangerfield or Old Little Girl that, you know, Dreadful Snake, they seem to come from your DNA. It just seems to come like so naturally from you guys. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: Yeah, that's, that's very true. You know, we, we have a very wide-ranging, very eclectic set of influences in the band. And bluegrass is our common thread. You know, bluegrass is really the thing that brought us together. That's our common musical language. And so even though we pull from a lot of different areas of the music world, that's sort of the, the, the kind of lens that everything ultimately gets gets looked through is is how can we take this music and essentially turn it into what we consider some form of bluegrass. And the interesting thing about the Billman Road Tribute, I would say the thing that I'm really proud of is when we started out 15, 16 years ago, bluegrass music as a whole was in a very different place than it is right now. Right. These days it's really popular and new fans are coming in the door from all over the country, all over the world. They're discovering this Amazing, uniquely American, very organic, very energetic, also soulful musical style, and they're falling in love with it. And when we started out, bluegrass, it didn't have that reputation. And so I think that this kind of project, a tribute to Bill Monroe, one of the, you know, I mean, really widely regarded as the father of bluegrass music. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion, but, but Monroe really gets so much of the credit and very well deserved. I mean, he, he was, he was sort of the founder and, and there are other important figures, but he really kind of stands out among them. And so to be nominated for a Grammy, for a tribute to Bill Monroe is a really special thing because it's going to point all of these new fans, all of these new ears back to where this music started from. And that's, to me, that's a really, um, you know, that's a really cool thing to be, able to, be, to be able to do as a band, to be sort of the one of the torch of Bluegrass and not only bringing people in the door, but then directing them back to all this amazing music that came before us. So I don't think we necessarily would have taken a project like this on early in our career when Bluegrass was in a different place, but now it's so celebrated and we want to celebrate it. And that's what this album is. And to get that kind of recognition for it is really cool.
0: Sure, sure. And my cat made an appearance here, so apologies for that special <laughs> appearance. But why do you think that is? And that is that is really cool that you said that, Chris. Because um, you know, I come from a radio background in Miami, started top forty classic radio, and when I moved to Nashville, you know, bluegrass was kind of like a new language to me. But I've c- quickly realized how popular it's become. To your point, why do you think that is? Why do you think that like now you go to like a, a, a duster show? You know, like specifically there's one that comes to mind at Blue Ox Music Festival where I yeah. saw kids of all ages and to adults just enjoying your music tremendously, or like when Billy Strings plays the rhyme and it's like Jimi Hendrix is playing the rhyme. And why do you attribute this renaissance of bluegrass to?
1: You know, it's it's a really interesting story, and bluegrass has sort of dipped and then grown in popularity throughout the years, and it sort of had these brushes with the mainstream, you know, oh brother, where art thou? And um, you know, Jerry Garcia's involvement in Olden in the Way. And this is actually something that I've talked about a lot on my podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain, looking, right. ba- looking back through the history of bluegrass and trying to understand a little better why it is where it is today. And, you know, the reality is that we have some really fundamental bands that have kind of cut this path for this new bluegrass revolution. And I'm thinking of Yonder Mountain String Band, string cheese, the string cheese incident, leftover salmon, bands, bands like these that really opened the door for the string dusters to come along and present bluegrass in rock clubs with production, with lights, with big sound. And the technology has evolved to make a lot of that possible. So those are things that have happened in the relatively recent past. And again, when we got our start you know, there were a lot of things that we really had to figure out and it was sort of like build this business, build this fan base one fan at a time. Now that influence, the legacy of those bands has been around long enough. They've brought enough people like us, the String Dusters and our contemporaries in the door and now we're doing our own thing and it's just sort of growing from there. And, you know, you mentioned yeah. Billy Strings and, you know, I, I just saw Billy referencing you know the dusters and green sky and, and other bands in our generation sort of the same way that i think of leftover salmon and string cheese and yonder and that's just how music goes you know influences and the the things that inspire you you take those things you draw from them w- what you really love and then you bring your own writing your own songcraft and the and the music evolves and now it's just getting out there in front of a lot of new ears a lot of new eyes and it's this thing you hear all the time you know people are like oh you know I'm not a bluegrass fan but they haven't seen this modern iteration of bluegrass they haven't heard this current form of the music and when they do a lot of times they're hooked because it has incorporated those live elements the jamming the production the things that just bring it to another level but ultimately that really organic sound of the acoustic instruments and that soulful nature of the singing and the songwriting, it just has a really universal appeal. So all of those things sort of coming together, you know, in recent years has created this boom in popularity. That is just really, really cool to be a part of.
0: A hundred percent. And it's been great to cover it. It's just the best. It's absolutely the best, Chris. And um, going back to your early life for a second, Chris, because you have a fascinating life story. We can't cover all of it. But, you know, you said ultimately, like, uh, you, your older brother, Jono, right? He, his musical taste and his exploits, like, were a big part of, of your upbringing. And um, you got your, your first banjo in the summer of 1997. You, you've told this story before. And the next 10 years, you're caught you're as saying the years flew by. Why was that? Was it, was it just a case that, like, you just couldn't take the banjo
1: away from you and it was just, like, complete immersion? You couldn't take it away if you tried. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's what happens when you, again, going back to this idea of inspiration, when you're inspired, when you really feel something, when you're really called to an instrument, a style of music or, or anything outside of music as well, you know, this is when meaningful things happen. And yeah. when I was drawn to the banjo, you know, everything else in my life sort of faded out and I just found something that I loved so much and that I wanted to focus on and put my energy into and it was very very natural process for me and like you said my older brother turned me on to music my grandparents uh, were professional musicians opera musicians so there was a lot of music a lot of music around but ultimately I discovered this thing on my own and you know I just never looked back and you sort of plow through those early years of your career you know too um, kind of ignorant to know any better, and it doesn't matter if you're not making any money. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like you're making any progress. You're doing the thing that you love, and oftentimes that's what's going to amount again to something meaningful. And so, for me, it was just a really pure case of being inspired, finding something that I loved, and then deciding whether consciously or not that I wanted to devote my life to this. It was just something that happened, and I kind of never looked back. and And there's a little luck involved too. You know, I I was very lucky to team up with the guys in the String Dusters when I did. And we've had a lot of people who we've worked with who've helped us out along the way. So, you know, it's sort of a combination of inspiration, determination, and, and a little bit of luck. And then, you know, you find yourself in a career that's working and you have the opportunity to make art that you care about for a living. And, you know, there's just nothing better than that.
0: Absolutely. Very, very, very well said. And, you know, you mentioned you have a podcast, you have a lot of interest, a lot of projects going on. Uh, You're also a filmographer, like you love doing videography. I mean, you've done documentaries, short films, the whole nine yards. What do you make of the way social media and music marketing is kind of like becoming one with video? Have have you noticed this trend a little bit? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, largely a function of technology. We have a. We all have a a phone in our pocket that we can create videos with, not just shoot video, like edit videos and and also consume that sort of thing. So this is just the way that that things are moving, and you know, it's a it's another interesting conversation about the industry sure. that has become much more DIY in recent years. Right. And and there's an upside to that, but but there's also you know there's also some Challenges to that. I mean, it's it's easier to get your foot in the door, but to actually get a foothold once you're there can be more difficult than it was, say, 25 years ago. When if you were tapped by the industry and you were in, then you were in. You know, now it's like the door is wide open, but you got to do something with that opportunity. So, you know, these things are just part of the game now, and we try to take advantage of them as much as we possibly can, and. And it's a great tool to let people inside a little bit. That's something that we've actually been talking about a lot lately, just just letting people get a closer look at who we are as people, what we care about. Those are the things that really connect you to an artist. And I think a lot of that technological evolution is making that possible. So it's it's a cool thing. And it's just it's part of the world now. And, you know, it's here to stay.
0: Absolutely, Chris. And you've been so good with your time. Thank you so much. Let me leave you with this, Chris. Yeah. Um, you live in Colorado now, right? Correct. But you've also spent some time in Nashville. I'm just fascinated, like, if you can, not one is better than the other, but like, it seems like musicians that we really respect are in both sides of the spectrum you know, what is it about Colorado? I live in Nashville, so I don't know about Colorado. What is it about Colorado that so many people like yourself and and many, many other uh, musicians and, and artists with respect are kind of like gravitating over there?
1: Yeah. You know, I loved my time in Nashville. And I think as a young musician, being exposed to all the unbelievable players who were there, that was, to me, that was a bigger education even than music school. I mean, that was like the real stuff and hearing these guys play and Again, getting inspired and just getting your butt kicked and realizing you got to work harder. You know, a lot of that goes on in Nashville, which is sort of an epicenter for great musicians from around the world. You know, there's no other way to say it. Nashville draws them in and, and I think will always be in some way a home base of the music industry. But for bluegrass and especially the kind of bluegrass that we play, Colorado has really really become a mecca i mean there are more venues and fans out here than any other city that i've ever been to so as a musician as far as opportunities on the side there are so many great things out here maybe not you know nashville used to be really sort of centered around this recording session game that has changed drastically in the last 20 years as streaming services have come around and the whole nature of recorded music has changed and live music has become really a universal central element. Touring is, is like, you know, our main revenue stream. And that's sure. the case for a lot of artists. So Absolutely. A, a place like Denver that sustains, again, so many fans, so many venues, it just means that there are lots of opportunities out here. And then mm. of course there's just, you know, a, a sort of quality of life issue, and where are you dra- drawn to live? And I'm a person who really um, values, you know, getting outside. I-, I was skiing this morning with Andy Hall from our band. We went up to Arapahoe nice. Basin and spent, Not that. spent the morning skiing. So, and then those are things that bring me inspiration as well getting out into nature and backpacking, fishing, skiing, all those things. So, it's a combination of all of that, but. I can't say enough things, enough great things about Denver and the music community that's out here. And it's not just fans too. There are a lot of great musicians out here too. So it's really become a hub of bluegrass and this new bluegrass movement and music in general. So it, you know, I've been out here for about eight years now and it's really, really been a great experience.
0: Nice. Love it. Well, Chris Pandolfi, I think you've said it all for today, but man, what a, what a great conversation it is. We could talk to you for 17 hours. Yeah, That's I really sure. appreciate
1: yeah. it, man. Thanks for having Absolutely. me on.
0: And, and you have a lot of great stuff coming this year. Good luck with the Grammys. And we, we, I think we'll see you on the road. We have a couple festivals scheduled to cover that you're going to be there. So looking forward to it.
1: Great. All right. We hope to see you out there. Thanks so all right, much. Man. Bye. Take care. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.